Welcome back, everyone, to the Amateur Theatre Podcast, episode number eight. Today we're talking to Angus Fraser, another Oxford actor that I've worked with in the past. He's uh, a regular on the scene now since uh, retiring, and he's taken up or retaken up acting with some vigour, and he's got a load of great insights that will really help an actor who potentially hasn't been or had the opportunity to go through drama school and yet still wants to hone their skills and develop to push their characters to greater heights. We discuss how he looks to own the space in auditions and on the stage. We look at various different elements of understanding your character and then presenting it on stage. So we talk about looking at the role from the inside and the outside and then trying to find the best combination of those two approaches. We discuss breaking down a script, how he approaches that and what he derives from that analysis. We talk about some specific acting tools or ideas that you can incorporate, things like actioning, and ultimately seek to discover how as an actor you can get to those deeper levels and draw out some of the stronger, harder emotions to manifest. So sit back and enjoy. But I would like to start with kind of how you, how did you get into acting? Mm. That, that old chestnut of a question of where did the passion come from or where did you, you know? Yes, it's a good question. Um, I, I did some acting at school. Um, I did a lot of acting at university. Um, I never took it very seriously. I'm not quite sure why I did it. Because at the time I was very lacking in confidence and I would have, I mean, I found the whole thing quite difficult. And I think it was probably, I partly did it because it was like a challenge. I mean, it, we weren't, it wasn't like we were pushed, you know, right. to do more. I mean, you know, it, this was going back a lot. It's back in the 1970s, you know, so Shakespeare tended to be, and it was mostly Shakespeare I did, you know, you walk on stage in your costume with your, probably with a spear or a letter or something, and, and, and you sort of declaimed. Yeah, you did your Olivier, and then that was it. Yes, it was. It was a very di- and if you go back and look at RSC productions, they're awful, you know. Um, and we were worse. <laughs> Having said that, you know, there were people in the company who've gone on to be very, very good. You know, very successful, well-known professional actors. So there was a there was a standard of ability, but how we did things wasn't wasn't great. So I, that's kind of what I meant. Also, I, I meant I, I never for a minute thought this is what I'm going to do. Okay. Right. I'm doing it now because I can, because there's theatre companies, theatre student groups, and it's fun. Right. Okay. And was it was it within a with it within the university setup, or were you going out into the wider world and finding a community theatre group in your it's, area? It was all student stuff. Okay. So, so the, the biggest thing I was in was the Oxford and Cambridge Shakespeare Company, which doesn't exist anymore, but at the time was really quite something. And got a trip to America. You know, yeah, we did Ooh. a seven week tour of America. You know. Bloody hell. Yeah, it was, it was quite impressive. Well, it was impressive, but it was actually also exhausting, emotionally draining, uh, physically hard. You know, yeah. imagine the kind of squabbles, you know, that a bunch of 19 year olds on a coach, you know, driving through Louisiana in the dead of night. What happened? You know, it's just crazy. Yeah, it was I'm... crazy, actually. So I did. So I, I sort of dropped it. But then, I, then when I stopped my career, um, actually nine years ago now, um, uh, my wife, who's a very wise person, said, um, 
take up acting, Angus. Get, get out of the house, Angus. <laughs> You're in my way. <laughs> yeah, stop doing that. <laughs> stop fiddling with my, you know, with the get interfering with the cooking. Yeah. So, so she and she, because she knew this. Is what I, she sort of kind of. I've always, I suppose, um, uh, looked at actors and uh, and observed how they work and practiced accents and tried to understand how they did their thing. You know, I was, I'd watch films with that sort of in mind, and I would try things out in real life. Um, and so you said, go and do it, do it, go, go and start acting. So, so I, um, I got involved in our, um, a local village theatre company, got a part straight away, and then they offered me more parts in the future. So I did a whole load of Whitehall farces, okay. um, which, were, which were fun, you know, I mean, I definitely enjoyed them. And some, and some you know, we had some good people, I and mean, it was quite, it was quite good. Um, but then uh, I also, uh, I, I was meeting people in Oxford and I wanted to take it a, a step further. And um, so a friend who was also, who was a, a, an actor, she said, she recommended somebody, um, a teacher called Rachel Brady, um, who was based in Oxford at that time. And she, um, she was doing lessons. So I, I, I've done tons of courses with her on a whole variety of, of different theatrical themes um okay so i'm enormous help so that's how, how so I, and then i and sorry and that's how i sort of got into it more seriously okay so if i what from the i guess from the university days when you kind of decided to do it as a challenge to yourself what was the difference in coming back to it because clearly mm. it must have sat with you but there must have been a bug in there somewhere that yeah. suddenly went oh yeah and if, it, if if you'd already i mean Christ, going across America for seven weeks with a theatre company, if that doesn't scratch the itch enough, <laughs> there must have been something else that was kind of like, that came back to you when you did kind of leave yeah. work and... Yes. Well, it's quite hard to put your, my finger on it. I mean, there's obviously, it's fun. Yeah. There's, um, there's a certain element of egoism. It's lovely having an audience. I mean, when they laugh when they're supposed to, when they clap when you want them to, it's... It just feels great, you know, yeah, there is yeah. no doubt about that. But that's a fairly superficial, although that's the kind of immediate reward. The thing that really I find interesting is the idea of being at somebody else, living someone else's life. Oh, okay. It's not unlike reading a novel. I mean, novels allow you to discover lives that you'll never have yourself. Often you hope you will have yourself. Um, and, and I think acting for me is is partly partly about that, you know, it's being somebody else and discovering other bits in me that I can um, make real. Right. Okay. For other people. And, and so the, I guess that would feed then naturally into, if you have that mentality going in, refining that tool or the skill that you've got to do that already would just mean that you can do that a lot better. Yeah. So taking up the class and stuff just means that you're able to articulate those things yeah i think so i think i think the classes made a huge difference though you know, okay, so because you, you, you can go on you know you can go on stage without any um acting experience and you know if, if you've got a good voice you can project got a good memory you know you've got an expressive manner you can sort of get by but you know i realized there was just tons of stuff that really makes a difference you know okay so tons to learn <laughs> can yeah. we um without without wanting to um undermine her work and getting her clients can we mine that a little bit and just kind yeah, of discuss yeah. what well, she, i mean she gives you know she, she taught you know stand, a lot of standard you know techniques 
um, all sorts of things to do. So we learned about actioning, you okay. know, um, the idea that every every line, every phrase um, can can be delivered as though there were you were saying to yourself, um, "I," and then a transitive verb, "you." So, so it has to be something which has a direct impact. So, like, um, I touch you, I hit you, I resist you, I push you, I embrace you all and, and a whole variety of things that from different moods whether they're aggressive or or, or welcoming or and so on i mean just there's hundreds of them so and i believe um i actually read a very watched a very interesting uh, um interview with the uh performers from um carol churchill's top girls yep. directed by max stafford clark and he apparently breaks i mean does this incredible detail i mean every line you know, often every phrase is is given one of these actioning verbs. Really, and it kind of shows through because you get an incredibly subtle, modulated performance. If constantly the per, I mean, it doesn't mean a massive movement, but it can just be some sort of some kind of sensation, bodily sensation. Because if you can act with your body, that makes such a difference. I think. Yeah, you can it's see when people are. You know that because there are whole thing is alive, and also when they're not speaking. They don't suddenly stop acting, which is the bane of one of the many banes of amateur productions is that they kind of go. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, as soon as you get into the background yeah. and you're not involved yeah. in the directly. You're standing then. there like a lump. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a um, potatoes. So that's, I mean, even just. That, that's one example. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, lots, and, lots more. Yeah, I, will, I will try and tap you up for, for more and more of those. But just, just because that's quite a nice starting off point in terms of the way that you act then are you how are you embracing the character and then the overall play you you know and i don't i'm not particularly going to drive you towards telling me if you're a method actor or you follow brecht or stanislavski or whatever it might be yeah. mm. but in terms of how you inhabit the character are you looking to just do you want to be so immersed that it comes naturally or are you utilizing all those little refined skills that you learn from your training and also from whatever else you've picked up on the way to deliver a, and I, I hate to use this word because it's not, I know it's not what you're presenting, but like a calculated presentation of the character. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Um, um, I try to, I, I guess, so you're really talking about working from the outside of the character or from the inside of the character. And yeah. I think you, the best actors, and what you should try to do is try and try, try and do both. Yeah, so I mean, every second. actor, I mean, sorry, every every character in a play, you know, barring the second Spearman, uh, <laughs> um, has goes through some sort of journey through the play. They they're faced with dilemmas and challenges. Um, they have choices to make. They want something. They're fighting for something. They may or may not achieve it. But the, the course of the play should show character development in some way. So, you, I mean, I think the first thing, you know, you need to understand what that is. That's the, that's the start point. And then to express that, then why wouldn't you look at a, a particular passage of, of, um, of text and see how you can break that up, um, identify different um, moods, use actioning, you know, uh, how would this how would this character move you know there's one of the games uh, i was taught is you know it's you know if the character is an animal what animal would it be you know so and then there's that those things there's uh, the movements is it laban i can't remember now them you know, know the idea of um you know like quick 
it, I forget how, how it all works now without going back to my notes, <laughs> you know, but there are, but there are sort of heavy and light movements and quick and slow movements right. and, and so on and combinations of those and those can work with a particular character and you can see how that might work you know an anxious um insecure character will will move in a very different way from a strong solid steady type right yeah definitely there's lots and, of just the basic movements i mean as, as part of it as well yeah okay so and just again i'm i'll try and step back and jump forward at the same time but you mentioned just like the first point you said was like the understanding of of the character. Do you mean within the context of the play as opposed to their internal kind of monologues and stuff as a starting point? So or, or sort of maybe I should ask the question. Where, so when you approach a character, and again, I'm I'm don't want to lose the thread of the stuff you're talking about in the actual practical things you've been learning to, to, to achieve this. But hopefully as we go through, we can talk about the shaping of your character utilizing these skills. But how do you kind of first approach a character that you're given what's your kind of phase one or step one in terms of getting into it a, a step one i suppose is is actually what happens to this person during the play right that's, well, that's the first thing i'd look at okay um and then um it's a good idea to think a bit about their backstory the stuff that's not in the play right i, I do try to do that um and you can do that through making it up or in some cases there's historical evidence for you know what the person was like you know? yeah um so you use those okay mm. so you've okay so you've created a a basic structure for who the person is and how they operate in the world and then you're saying you you begin to then layer do you how how, how would you then break down your kind of approaching the script from that moment because i know again you just mentioned like looking at a section of script and and going deep into that how, how do you then approach kind of like the, the analysis of that person in a deeper manner? One is to make a list of all the things that the text tells you about the character, okay. all the things that you can incontrovertibly say are true. You know, these are, these are things, facts we know about, about the person. Um, there's often things that you might go, oh, what, what don't we know? What, might, what, might, what else is there that we, what I'd like to know about this character? You know, so when we did Much Ado and you know, I was Leonardo. I mean, it doesn't say, I mean, I think most people, most times I've seen that play, Leonardo is played as a sort of solid, reliable, steady Shakespearean older man. And I thought it would be interesting to sort of think about, well, where is he in this, in this whole situation? What, what's he like as a character? So I felt he was a, actually quite a, a weak character mm -hmm. in many ways. And he's in a, a position of great authority because he's the governor of Messina. And he's the parent of, or guardian of both the female protagonists, and he's the host of all the people that come um, into the into the action of the play. So he's a, he, he's sort of a little bit of a fish out of water. He's yeah. he's vulnerable, uh, you know. So he, he's somebody who's presumably got his position through inheritance rather than through ability. He's uh, in our version, he's lost his wife, <laughs> you know. So he's very reliant. I felt on his on his niece especially. And, and expects a lot from his daughter and expects sort of her to fulfill the wishes, you know, that perhaps his wife would have had or um, that he wants her to um, kind of to make his life better to sort of justify himself, you know, by being yeah. successful in her own way, in the right sort of in the right way. So, so I think there, there were things that we were inventing, if you like, and another actor 
would have invented something completely different and that would have been perfectly valid but that's what well, i think the the interesting thing on again slight slight tangent but the interesting thing and in how you developed that from my perspective was that it wasn't independent of the whole piece either oh so no. I, yeah mm. which is which i think is really important just to mention like you can do a load of work mm. on where you think the character is what they're you know their trajectory through the play is independently of what happens with other characters and, and it might just not be right the key mm. i think the key is combining those two things understanding your own kind of slant on the character but having it making sure it fits within the framework or the context of the whole piece because then you don't stand out as you know it's not it's not an independent character it's a character that's shaped by the world that they operate within yeah the events and the relationships that that um, this character confronts well, when we, we when we rehearsed Much Ado, we did start off with that discussion, what's going on overall. So it was easy to slot the character into that and see how that character would fit in. Yeah, that's quite... An, yeah, I, I spoke to someone who's midway through drama school last week, and just as a secondary, um, whether you, you maybe were about to mention this or you have thought about it before, but she's, she, she mentioned the same point as kind of dissecting the script and seeing those elements she also goes through the script and pulls out what other people say so she reads so she she creates the two sides of it where it's what is my perception of myself based on the information i've got and then she looks at what is everyone else's perception of me from what they're saying either when i'm not in a scene or when i am in a scene so like she gets an idea of like two other characters maybe chatting about her character in another scene and she'll mm. from that derive some sort of understanding of how she's perceived within this Very place yeah nice yeah, so, yeah another one i was told which is sort of related to that is um what's your inner dialogue while while the person you're actually speaking to is saying so oh, if right. you could speak simultaneously or kind of immediately interrupt them what would it be and that allows you to um react very naturally because if you think those lines as they're speaking your face and movements should um, yeah, so you so you mean like you're saying you're saying to yourself, just get away from me. I hate you so much. You're the worst person in my world. What are you doing here in my bedroom? Please leave. You could say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But as in, but yeah, yeah. the I internal could... monologue is something that yes, the world designs. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so that's and again, whatever else pops into your head that you remember, stuff, we'll we'll keep keep mentioning them and we'll, we can feed those in. That it that feels to me like a lot of um, it it's. It's shaping the mental aspect of that character. What are you doing physically that, I know you did actually mention um, kind of a, some of the bits of the movement stuff, but as you shape, I take it you take the shoot, shape the two together, you're kind of thinking about the actual person that's talking these lines and doing these things. How are you then also thinking about their movements and their, their, the, the physical body that you're in and shaping that? Do you kind of approach that in a different way or this, you know, are you, how you kind of manifesting the, the movement aspect you mean yeah the movement and the, as you mentioned like you just mentioned a couple of times i thought i'd just dive into that like just mm. some of the more like the gesticulation the, as you say the actual physical movement how you walk and stuff like that what's your kind of approach mm -hmm. to shaping the character that way um yeah and because certainly you're, i have a habit of fidgeting and i'm right. told by stop fidgeting <laughs> <laughs> which is what you do when you kind of like you're a bit Tense and you want to you want to express something but you you know you and it's kind of bursting out and so it looks dreadful so um first of all i try to you know make sure i control myself and don't fidget right. so start 
you know, st actually start from how, starting from how I stand, just learning how to stand very straight, not in a stiff, rigid way, but in a very balanced way. Okay. Um, it's tree pose in yoga. The only difference being that your hands are turned back rather than, whereas in yoga, your, hat, your palms are turned forward. You can't really see that. Um, but essentially, so, you, know, the, you know, absolute balance on your feet, your head straight on your shoulders and so on. And if you're in that position, um, then, then, then you can start to make any movement a very specific and very relevant. And also, I mean, make sure it goes with the thing, the action that's happening, what the, per the other characters might be saying, what the action is. So you, you, you need to know what that movement's going to be. And I think you do need to be rehearsing and rehearse that, um, but it has to come very naturally. You know, you can't just sort of do it arbitrarily. It has to be a real reaction to uh, a real response to, to, to something that's happened or been said. Right. Okay. Um, and and, and uh, I, I find I have to and like to practice movement on my own between rehearsals. I clear the sp a space and I, you know, it, you know, maybe in the garden I'll do it if it's in the summer. And I just and I move through the different actions that I want. Oh, really? That's good. Mm. That's well, nice. it is good. I don't know. I mean, it's a different style. I mean, it, it's it's not very um, spontaneous. But well, are you saying specific to the lines of text yeah. you're reading? Oh, yeah. okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So oh, right. Okay. So, so I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's all, it, it's what I'll do to it, sort of embed what I've been doing in rehearsal, but to go th to practice it and you know get it absolutely. So it comes out naturally. I mean, I think it's like a, like probably like playing uh, a musical instrument. You know, you have to be very competent. You have to have gone through it again and again and again, so that you can then play it in a smooth, natural, easy way. Right. So I, I find that that for me helps. It probably doesn't work for everybody, but I like doing that. No, I, I like the idea that you're. I mean, whether whether I mean I, whether it's specifically driven by the blocking and the the you know, knowing yeah. that the lines that you're reading are going to be these and these are my movements. So I'm going to repeat these over and over again. Might be one format of doing it or whether it's like, okay, in this scene, I'm going to go through the lines in my head and stuff, but I know I'm angry and then I'm sad and then I'm frustrated. And, and maybe there's a ability to kind of, I don't know, replicate those emotional movements and the kind of the, the bodily functions of those things rather than, or, as opposed to specifically saying, these are my lines, this is what I'm saying. I need to make sure my, you know, I'm doing this aggressive thing every time, aggressive thing every time. And again, mm -hmm. I don't know whether one is right or one is wrong, but I, I do either way. I do like the idea that you know, people, anyone listening to this can take away that kind of, just get in your garden and, and just get moving anyway, whether, whether you are kind of reiterating the blocking that you've learned that day, or whether you are just trying to manifest that character through the movements that you're doing. Mm all of that will be helpful to, as you say, embed the character so it becomes more natural. Because there will be a situation where someone isn't in the right place on stage at the right time. Of course. And your blocking will not fit. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you have to have a, an ability to adapt and yes. adjust. Yeah, um, yeah which, you know, which I think would come once you get to a point of feeling the character inside you. Like I suppose it's once it's in there, you can then react accordingly to, to nuances or slight changes on stage. Yes. Okay. And I, I mean, the, um, the movement 
I think helps both learning lines and cues. And that's very important. And it also, um, I think it's a, it, you know, based on the idea of actioning, it does actually express what you're trying to do. So it's not just the blocking. I don't mean just walking around. Yeah. You know, it, but it, but it's being, yeah. What is the gesture? If there is a gesture or just a slight movement, how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, I, uh, yeah, I totally agree. I think it's a great idea. Okay. So into this pot that we're creating of kind of, I, I've used the term toolbox before, um, and I will come back to that term because I want to discuss with you about um, how you create that toolkit as an amateur. But as we're talking about the actual things that are going to go in this toolbox or toolkit, what's kind of your thought on the theory of stuff? So we've, we've kind of talked about, and again, I know we haven't exhausted these these areas but hopefully we can come back to them as we go into sort of auditions rehearsals and stuff and how they slot into a practical application but in terms of like character movement understanding the script getting a, a better idea of what's going on in the context of the play what if any theoretical things are you layering in so are have you gone and read you know 10 Stanislavski books and do you know about whatever it is Meisner and stuff as, a, as an amateur actor is that formed part of your education sort of I've, I've i haven't dived into textbooks okay. i've been given summaries by teachers and i've gone online and there are lots of resources where you'll find well lots of there are there are some some resources where you'll find um directors talking about technique and sometimes you can even sort of there are videos of workshops going on yeah so I've, you know, I've sort of looked at i've looked at those kinds of things i think they do help I think um, I probably know more theory than I'm than I am able to put into practice. I say no. I have been exposed to more yeah. drama theory than I've been able to put into practice. Um, partly because production companies and directors do things very differently, you know. So there are um, they, they don't all work in, this, in they don't all want to use those technique yeah, it's true. Yeah, you know, it's true. which is fair enough and then it's quite hard to do it on your own I mean you can think about things you know, yeah. so, you know you can you can think about how you um analyze a speech and look for the nuances you can actually one thing I do do which which I it was I guess it was a piece of theory which, which I think is all written up in um um Michael Shurtleff's book auditions okay is this idea of what does the actor want and what's if you like what's the opposite of what they want because very often uh, in a scene, actually, what is really going on is a conflict between those two things: love, hate, go away, come here. Um, all those, and if you can, if you just played what you want, um, if both actors are doing that, it could become very, very boring, very sort of in a very single, uh, two-dimensional. Whereas if both of them are modulating between conflicting emotions but with a general trend towards one thing rather than another so that's a piece of theory which which i have tried to put into practice okay yeah that's nice i think there's my opposite of my yeah object. yeah yeah i think that manifests itself it weirdly and again it wasn't uh, it wasn't meant to be a um yeah I, weirdly a lot of amateur actors that i talk to do actually employ a lot of theory not knowing that it's specific to a practitioner or somewhere where it appears they they've either got it through osmosis through working with a load of other actors or yeah. you know it's just a natural it naturally occurs based on kind of experience or, or trying stuff that works for you so i think yeah there's a, there's a fair amount of theory that does hit the amateur stages um 
that people aren't particularly aware that they've they've kind of used or utilized so mm. um I, I suppose yeah i i do wonder if and again it feeds back to my kind of drama school conversations with people and maybe i'll yeah, actually maybe i'll ask the question now in terms of that knowledge acquisition what's your what's your thought or your feeling on christ it's probably a two-part question going to drama school as a as a tool or a resource to make you a better actor and also how does an amateur actor replicate what someone from drama school is getting do you, mm. do you have a kind of do you get an idea and clearly you've found a a teacher that has also helped guide and shape your acting do you get a sense or a feel of of where the benefits lie in either situation well yeah i mean i i would love to go to drama school in some way yeah i mean i, I can see huge advantages um i can't i can't imagine a drama school would have me um but um i'm sure they would I don't know. I mean, it's also, it's kind of a bit late in my career, you know, I mean, <laughs> I mean, because I mean, this is another point, but when you get to a certain age, the number of parts that are available um, is much reduced. Yeah. Okay. And, and leading parts almost non-existent. I mean, really, you know, and also because theatre companies want to, you know, especially the the amateur ones, it's generally speaking, they're run by people a lot younger and not surprisingly, they want to have plays about younger people that they can relate to. Yeah. So so I think, so. Uh, yes, I can absolutely see uh, huge benefits in going to drama school. And imagine it was, I, I imagine it would be very challenging, very difficult and great fun and very rewarding. But there is that, you know, is it worth it? Can I get that? through other means and so the other means I've done is sort of because just imagine if I was going to London to, to a drama school there I mean how, how does this fit in with my life what, what are my families there? where am I <laughs> you know I just can see it might be just very challenging no, um, I'm certainly, it certainly would be I, it's I guess yeah I think each of the little bits that they teach you just form something that you might be able to tap into and yes. the, you know having three years surrounded by people that are all doing it and the freedom to try it and express it without being judged or whatever. I, I it feels like that is the key. Mm. That you just get that time surrounded by these people to do it. Yes. So, so I've yeah. got my, so my toolbox is probably not as big. Um, and the bits, but the bits are in it have come from people who've been to drama school, are professional actors and directors and writers and so I kind of think they prob they probably put some of the better ones in. Anyway, it's it's what it, it's what I've got available to me. I, I really can't see myself. I did think about drama school, um, but all the things you've talked about made me feel, gosh, it's just going to be too much effort, and the return on investment and in time and effort and money isn't going to be great enough. And I can do it. I can acquire some of those tools by other means. Yeah. yeah. And also the number of shows that you could be involved in over those three years, if you put your mind to it, is is a very good experience for kind of. Oh, definitely, yeah. So I mean, I think you had one of your questions was going to be about theory versus practice. Yeah, I mean, and obviously you need, I think you need both, but probably practice. No, but I mean both. But if you don't have the practice, the theory is just like dry. It's just you can write an essay then about acting, you know. So you. you yeah, there's definitely a lot of people that know a lot of theory but can't. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Literally, I don't know. I haven't seen this, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, they can't practically put it into use, which mm, is mm. yeah. Okay, so if we, yeah, keeping in mind all the things we've just been talking about, and maybe kind of again, 
feeding them back in as and when we see fit. How, if can we jump to a play itself and how you'd approach the process? So how do you, I guess the first question is, how do you pick the play you want to be a part of? What's your kind of, how do you first go, right, I want to try out for Much Ado or whatever it might be. Mm. Are you just scouring Facebook ads and daily info? Uh, it might be? Yeah, I, I um, yes, I, but what I look, what, what I do is I, I register with the theatre companies, uh, production companies that I know in the area. Yeah. And see what comes up, and okay. if I like the look of the play and the director, because I do, the, the, I do worry about the director. I mean, I do want to make because I that I think is a really different. And I wouldn't be saying this if I didn't think you were a good director, Michael. <laughs> so you don't. Look, I, I am here as much to give people information as to learn stuff myself. So I'm very aware that I'm. Well, anyway, so um, there there are there are better directors and and not such good directors. And I know in some cases who they are and I choose accordingly. There are some theatre companies that I know will come at something really with a professional attitude, even if not a, you know, a professional contract. And that will make all the difference because I think the pleasure and reward you get from performing is um, in proportion to the, the quality of effort that goes in. So for me, it's fun, but it's serious fun, you know, and, and I, there are several companies and, and organizations that are well, some which kind of do a sort of um let's just do it we're amateurs but we're, we're jolly good amateurs we'll have a lot of fun but there's no there's no rigor you know yeah. no ambition yeah and so i look what i look for is partly that which companies do i think will put effort into will have insights and and uh, an overview and they will rehearse in a dynamic and interesting and collaborative way. Ensemble theatre appeals to me as a concept. I don't like the idea of the, the, you know, the dictator director. I don't think that can work properly. So I look for that and then I obviously look for the play. So, um, and then I look for the part. Is there gonna be a part for me? Cause there's no point, you know, if it's a play about 30 year olds, you know, so that just, so that's that and that's a big factor so there aren't that many i can go for so shakespeare's always good there's always an old geezer somewhere <laughs> so i can go and do that and um yeah uh that, that's what kind of working i also if um i would i like doing very modern plays i think okay. that what well, possibly the nicest most rewarding thing i did was collaborators partly because i had the lead role um but that's um you know, john hodge it's a um, you know, uh, uh, a national theatre production originally, and it's it's just a really, really interesting piece. Very, very cleverly done. Black comedy, but dead serious and and quite terrifying at times. And oh, it was just such an exciting thing to do. You know, um, and I'm not sure I'd get that from doing Noel Coward. You know, yeah, nothing exactly. wrong with Noel Coward, but no, no. It's, you know, it's it's this sort of um, those kinds of fairly traditional plays you know with, yeah. no i get that i get that you know um so, so i think the shakespeare and modern those are the sort of things i do <laughs> okay fair yeah. enough mm. and so the audition so let's say you know that you've got your audition now for whichever play it might be how are you and again i know right at the top again we discussed that actually from what you've seen and from what i'm hearing as well the 
the method through which people audition is very varied. Mm. I spent a whole morning with 20 people and two directors, and we've gone through exercises, improvisations. It's been a huge amount of fun. We've done you know, a bit of movement. We've done all sorts of stuff. Yes. Never, in both cases, I didn't get the part. <laughs> <laughs> but I came away thinking, um, yeah, I've, uh, that was really good. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think, I mean, an audition that is um, constructive and enjoyable in that way is, is probably very helpful for the director and the production team as well, I would think. Yeah. Because you really yeah. get to see people and also how they work with a group. You know, are they going to be arsy and, or are they going to be generous? You want generous actors, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and <clears throat> I recently, there's someone tweeted yesterday night, a professional director tweeted saying, um, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he was like, what what professionals don't seem to have forgotten from their amateur days is that it's it's not about you versus everyone else. You coming into the space yeah. and trying mm. to win isn't <laughs> yeah. the best thing I want to see. No, no. I want to see like what's exactly like you just said. How do you work with these people? How do you yeah you know, play change? off them? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Make them look good. Make your partner yeah. look good. I was taught that early on. <clears throat> Which is a great bit of advice. Hmm. That's staying in the podcast. In, in the hope that you do the same for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what you hope. So. Not always the case. No. Um, if it is a straight monologue piece, they've asked you to prepare. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you go about doing that? Because I know, obviously, I've seen you work, and, and we've just discussed um, a fair whack of how you kind of imbue your characters with, with personality and, and other things with an audition piece, you're not going to have that time that you have in the rehearsal room to do that. So how do you go about trying to construct a solid character in the time you've got to deliver mm. what you believe is going to be, you know, something that's going to get you cast or something that's going to present something interesting to the directors? Yeah. Or and, and you get to choose. A, a, yeah, let's say let, in this, in this yeah. scenario, okay. you can choose, you know. Okay. Um, so choose something that's relevant yeah. to the play, you hope. And, and okay, so look at it. <laughs> and you kind of ask yourself the obvious questions. Where am I? Who am I? Who am I talking to? Even if it's a monologue, who, there is somebody imagined and you need to be able to look at that person. And I'm told, well, I get, I've, I've heard different things from different directors, but I understand that generally speaking, directors don't like it if they are the person that yes. you're imagining. Because I think it's sort of a bit like, get off. <laughs> yeah, no, you feel like you have to engage with <laughs> them the whole time. And it's the lamp over there. Yeah. So you have this deep, meaningful conversation with a lamp um, or something of that sort. Um, so is that then what's just happened uh, immediately beforehand? So what, how have you come into this? What the actor is fighting, what the character is fighting for. Okay. You know, that's, a, that's, a, that's an absolutely key one. Then you start to, I think, break down the text into chunks because they all need it can't all be delivered in the same way. Mm -hmm. There must be other things going on. And as I was mentioning also, if you got the, if you give yourself the idea that something he's fighting for and something else he could be fighting for, which is pretty much the opposite of that. Right. Love, love me, hate me, love me, leave me. I mean, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so you've kind of got that and then, and then go through it, uh, looking for changes of pace, uh, finding the piece, the, the the phrases and ideas which are most important and need emphasis. Okay. Um, look for humour. I was told that even in the darkest tragedy, you should try to find some humour because otherwise it's just too awful for the audience, yeah. <laughs> for everybody. So it's those kinds of things. And then practice it and video yourself and um, 
Oh, also, I mean, if it's verse, obviously, you, know, you need to work out the, the rhythm. Okay. I, think, I think if it's Shakespeare, it's sacrilege not to recognise that it's written in a particular style, but, but then also be prepared to um, make that sound like real speech. But Miami Pentameter actually, on the whole, lends itself to that. De-dum-de-dum-de-dum is pretty much how we talk. So those kinds of things, I don't... Uh, yeah, I mean, those are sort of the main. No, things. I mean that sums up a lot. That's a lot that sounds like a lot yeah. of work that's going into it. I mm. just quickly, just to reference that you mentioned videoing yourself, is that something you standard practice that you do? Because I don't think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people find that quite. Oh, what's the word? I guess they're they're worried that they'll look at it and go, "Oh God, I'm shit." <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'd do it again. Yeah, which uh, is part which is yeah. part of the point, really. I suppose. Actually, this is I, I didn't I used not to do it, but uh, lockdown um, and Zoom um sort of taught me that that was very useful because we, we were con everything we were doing whether it was an acting class a writing class which i'm also doing a rehearsing something um doing a rehearsed reading you know with a group um it was all about seeing getting to see yourself on video and it, you get yeah. it back to you uh, so i started thinking oh also sometimes the classes involved us going okay so video yourself send it to the um the teacher and she um she gives you your feedback yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I it's um and someone else, an actor who um you might do you know Craig Finley? He oh right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I did him, I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And he um the last one of the last things he mentioned was I just thought we were just discussing like, is there anything else that you could think of that might be useful? And his he said, actually no one films rehearsals, no one films anything and plays mm -hmm. it back. And it might actually be really useful to see ourselves. In that manner, you know, uh, my I think my my initial response was, "Oh shit!" If I start filming people, <laughs> <laughs> an assistant well, director to do that, yeah, yeah, but not even, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. But mm -hmm. the the idea that I then sit in a room and go, "Right, guys, if we're anywhere near the shows and they don't like what they're seeing, it could madness could ensue because it's quite difficult." I mean, people don't even like the sound of their own voices, let alone watching themselves on screen. So, whether that, whether it proves more detrimental to their mental well-being or not i don't know but it's an intriguing idea and maybe if you do it early in the process it yeah. will avoid that risk i mean obviously you don't want to crush their spirit just you know in dress rehearsal time yeah um, but in the early stages i mean anything goes doesn't it no i agree i, I and it's something yeah I, that's I, a very good thought actually because well, we, you know, we used not to have video and it's so accessible and easy now isn't it of course oh it really is i mean yeah you can turn around you know you mm. can record and play back from your phone without much you know yeah, problem yeah. With, yeah. Mm. um okay brilliant so the, Great. That sums up like a um, yeah, an approach to doing it. And I, I take it you're 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 off book in a way. You're learning it so you know it. Yeah. You're not you're not script in hand or script in hand. No, or I would not do script in hand. No. Okay. Not yeah. if I was told to prepare something. No. No. Okay. That's that's. I'd probably you, have it just in case because I might need to prompt. You know. I mean, because you can get nervous. Yeah. Uh, a very this is quite a subjective question but mentally how are you entering the room do you, you know how do you overcome those nerves and, and how do you presenting a confident kind of mm. display what is there any yeah breathing exercises okay the yoga beforehand and voice exercises so i as i'm driving along from west oxfordshire into oxford which is typically where the auditions are i am making all sorts of gurgling and buzzing and popping sounds <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody's in the car with me, they would think I was completely mad. Um, but it means I arrive then. So I think if your voice sounds all tight, everything else goes. You, you've got to loosen your vocal cords. Definitely. definitely. So you can just, and it, as soon as, it, and if it comes out nice and sonorously, I don't know, it just kind of makes you feel confident. It just feels good. There's a lot of, 
there definitely is a lot of little things like that that are coming up over and over again that people definitely don't do like we there's a lot of discussion about warm-up specifically mm. in the if you even if you spend five minutes just i mean you've mentioned yoga a couple of times already but if you just spend five minutes stretching before a rehearsal and then well there's two things it warms your body up for a start but it also mentally changes your kind of approach mm. to what's going on if, if you've just finished work you've legged it over across you know on the bus or whatever yeah and you just go straight into the rehearsal room and the director says right we're doing act two scene five exactly. if you can just take a moment to mentally construct or mentally control what's going on mm. stretch your mind stretch your body and then enter the rehearsal space i i'm of the opinion that that definitely creates a much better environment to get good work done absolutely and, and things which um uh remove your inhibitions so silly games are amazingly good because once you've played riding on my son riding on my big fat pony um in a circle which is typically something that teenage girls do on summer camp it's so funny you know when you get a bunch of grown-ups doing it yeah. um, you know riding around a circle sort of whipping themselves but after that you can't feel self-conscious yeah. and you feel you're laughing and you feel relaxed and and it's it's yeah it's it's good so i'm totally with that i think i think um warm-up routines are good vocal and physical and mental something that combines those things yeah no i agree and, and again you, you will know of the process that we went through where i didn't include that at all in in what we did in rehearsals and I, i've read a study that again i think i must have mentioned before uh, not in this uh, conversation but previous ones that said that a group of amateur directors went to um learn how to like how the rsc does it or whoever it was mm. Yeah. And they were they were in a intensive five week course or whatever it was, and then they were surveyed at the end of it, and then they were surveyed once they'd gone back to their local community theatres or whatever it was, mm. however many months later to see how much of the stuff stuck and what they. The, one of the things that they fed back in a very high percentage was they couldn't implement the warm up process that the professionals had in place because they were they were doing two nights a week for two hours over the course of five months uh, and to, to use half an hour of that time every single rehearsal to do warm some stuff was really really difficult because they felt like okay yes it was definitely worthwhile in that intensive space because then you do eight hours of rehearsals and it's like happy days so i i'm i'm really of the opinion that find somehow finding a happy medium is definitely beneficial because i saw you do it and i, I know others who have done various things and I know during the shows, there's like these group warmers, but I think rehearsals is super key. Like mm. it's super important because it, it, it just changes the mindset and it gets everyone prepared to go into the room and actually do stuff. And then, as you say, the silly game stuff, I mean, we'll, if we can come onto that, I'll make a note of it. But uh, in rehearsals, I'm super keen for anything to break down any barriers that exist within people and to let them know that the room is safe. The people around them aren't laughing at them, they're laughing with them and they're, mm. you know, the, the whole process is geared towards getting the best out of each of and every individual. Yeah. Because that then means, as you said, like you can do stuff then. You can actually work. As soon as you stop feeding into the ideas that come into your head, they stop appearing. So you you, you run out of kind of momentum in terms of yeah. how you develop the character. I guess we can come back to that when we talk rehearsals. Um, okay, so let's just finish off those, that audition thing. So you you're you've prepared the piece, you've prepared yourself mentally and, and physically kind of got yourself ready and when you're in the room how are you 
how are you utilizing the space? Well, I'm going to go back to my days in advertising when I would be making big presentations to new business prospects and that kind of stuff. And it was it was important to get things right. Um, and then also when I was teaching, because I've done some teaching since, um, you've got to own the space. OK, nice. So um, I would just literally walk around all through the wherever the and it's a bit difficult to do to some extent when you've got a small say a small room and there's a panel of people but you do need to feel it's all yours so if you can sort of just literally just walk around it suddenly you feel like there's no part of this which is off limits to me um and so i think that 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 helps you definitely need to move around you definitely need to um identify marks on the wall or bits pieces of furniture which you can use as 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 object people that you're talking to you've got to uh, you've got to imagine the things that you're talking about yeah Doesn't, isn't it supposed to be it's sort of uh, the idea is it's sort of somehow printed on the fourth wall you have to see yeah. is that right i mean i don't know but <laughs> as in you know, yeah 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 i mean so so you don't see through it but you, uh, uh, so that's yeah that's the that's bank uh, that's um you know hamlet's father as a ghost you know um, I can see him. Yeah. So I think try to own the space is what I'm saying. And and, and then just invent everything around you. Yeah. Okay. And don't, and don't stand still unless you have to. No, I mean, I'm not. Yeah. There are times when you have to. Yeah, exactly. There's not. I, there's, there's, a, there's certainly an element of the opposite that takes place where people don't realize the power of a bit of silence and a bit of stillness. But mm -hmm. generally in auditions, I think what you just said is, you know, stands true that it's it's good. It's better to see someone push it further than maybe you want them to, just so you know there's there's scope to kind of work with that person rather than it being too like internalized and mm. you know stilted because then you just you're not sure what you're getting if you cast that person in a certain role. So yeah. it makes it harder to make a judgment. Um, Okay, brilliant. So I, I guess that's audition. I'm maybe, I don't know if you've got any kind of experience where the setup is slightly more geared towards the group, some group work. Is there anything additional that you might want to layer on in that sort of format if someone was listening and wanted to kind of just, because obviously I, I may be changing my approach to auditioning from sort of this moment forwards, but yeah, I normally do that monologue thing and, and all of what you said stands true. I, I like a lot of what you've said. The group stuff may have a slight different slant on it. I don't know if you've got anything that kind of mm. your experience feeds in from that. Um, the, the pieces that they give you often so badly laid out, you know, like really long lines. Oh, I see. There's no, there's no you know, single space typing. And, and I don't know why they think that's a good idea, but any good text, I mean, it should be. I mean, like Shakespeare, you know, he has his iambic pentameter. It's lovely because it's inevitably it's quite a short line, you know, and it needs to be like that. So you that's, can I mean, it. That's, that's any anyone who is listening that is a director, that's, you know, I, I haven't even thought about that. So I will now think about that because that's actually, you know, that will help people. If that helps people within the audition process, anything that I can do that helps people, because I know I see people come in white faced and knees you know banging together and you <laughs> if if just the way the text is laid out will begin to ease some of yeah, that definitely, yeah oh yeah definitely okay cool um okay great so i think that pretty much i mean again that's a load of stuff there that anyone listening can kind of dive into and think about which is great let's say you've been cast as an actor how do you like the room 
I don't mean physically what's on the walls and where the tables and chairs are, but when you walk into the rehearsal for the first time, how do you, how do you like the process to unfold? Like, are you, do you just want to spend the first three weeks blocking or are you looking to get it on its feet and mess around? Or do you want to spend like the first three rehearsals just as a group getting to know each other? And I'm just throwing something mm-hmm. out there, but have you got in your head kind of what an ideal rehearsal process looks like yeah i was i would want to start off with things that to do with exploring and understanding the play as okay. a group of people right. i mean obviously you'll get to know people in that process but i'm not in a rehearsal to make friends with people as such so getting to know them is is, is a, a byproduct a very important one but it comes from working together right and, that, and that's that that's right um so no i i prefer to, uh, my ideal rehearsal process would be um as a group understanding the play um, and that might involve um, well, talking about our characters, talking about what's happening over, listening to the director's overview, um, what, what's going on in the play, what we're trying, you know, what the, the kind of story arc is and key developments are, the themes. You need to have all that in your head. I think um, uh, trying to get some idea of your character, probably before you're diving into lines, would be it's good. I mean, the times I've done it, um, it's been you know about sort of doing improvisations. Um, sometimes it's like swapping swapping roles, you know, so actually just playing the other character in the dialogue that you might be in, which is which is kind of interesting. So you get an yeah. insight as to how, how it's going to work the other way. Um, so I think, yeah, the um, getting under the skin of it first and, okay. and then going to the blocking. I mean, uh, I mean, obviously you need to know that fairly soon. But actually, you know, I think if you if you start off rehearsals with those discussions, and then when it comes, you don't really start blocking until, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, you're off book. I mean, you need to say when you're off book. But I, I, I think, the, you know, the first time around with the, with, the, with the blocking should be you've got your book in hand just to sort of mark where you are. And it's very, and then that needs to be quite precise. By the way, I find that very difficult to record. Right. I, I, I just, you know, there's a lot going on. There may be you know, 10 actors on stage and knowing where you ended up and so on. Is so, and sometimes it changes. And it's, oh, I find that really, conf- that can be really confusing because um, it is complicated. Um, but I don't want that to happen until we're, we've sort of got into the play itself and the, the, right. the, the juice of it. Okay. Yeah. And, and then you're off book, you know where you're, and, 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 and then you can start to act. Okay. Do it, perform. Okay. So... Before we get onto the the acting bit, then what? Uh, again, um, let, let's say we've set up that context, and we're we're you know we're we're all together understanding the where the play is set, what's going on with our our characters, and you know we're up and moving because you have to have some sort of interaction that's going on. What makes the space? And I don't I hate using the word safe, but what gives you the environment where you are happy to? If you need to take your shirt off and dance around for a bit, what is it that allows you to diet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need warning. You need six yeah, months you warning. I need six before. months on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe not take your shirt off then. What? Yeah. What then? Yeah, I, I, I kind of like the idea of getting to know how I can create a place where I you can do whatever you want or maybe whatever you're asked without feeling intimidated or worried or self-conscious is there is there anything that's in your head that kind of allows that to sort of that space to be created for you um well saying it 
is obviously important. I mean, just just letting, setting that out as a as a guideline. You know, this you know, the, in this rehearsal, we're going to be trying all sorts of things, and we're going to push things to extremes, and we're going to experiment. And some things will be good, and some things will be absolute rubbish. But that doesn't matter. I mean, if everybody knows that, that that helps. Okay. Um, personally, I'm fairly unselfconscious. I'll I'll do any old thing. I mean, I've been playing badgers and dogs and cats with my children, all you know, all through their growing up. You know, it's a sort of second nature. So if I need to snuffle around as a badger, I will. Right. Quite quite happily. Yes, you know, so I'm not I'm not self-conscious in that way. And I, I think you know I, I don't know. Some of the most of the people I've worked with uh, are equally sort of open to I mean because that's what actors do I mean the reason they're doing amateur theatricals is because they like make-believe I mean playing around and being somebody different yeah and um, so I think as long as it's said and then followed up so it wouldn't be any good if um that you know you set it up as a as, a, as anything goes session and then someone was laughed at for something they did which was silly right that would be awful but yeah. that wouldn't happen I mean no I can't imagine anyone would do that yeah okay and so then maybe a slightly different angle on this what what allows you to feel confident in the director's decision about something when they ask you to do something which is slightly different from just feeling confident in the space mm. um how how are you what 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 allows you to be happy in i guess maybe it's maybe it's more of a more apparent when you're challenging a director challenges your view of your character Mm. and then ask you to do something that's kind of opposed to what you believe that your character's the direction your character's heading in mm. how do you kind of deal with that situation i'll give it a go i mean i'm i'm you know i don't think i uh, have a monopoly on the character and i think the director should should decide you need somebody in charge and but so long as the director is somebody who's also willing to listen yeah and and, and it could be that just that you haven't understood something or you've got such a different on a key point you've got a different interpretation and that's making it what's he why does he or she mean this so um i'm happy to you know i think i think any actor should should defer to the director and the director should listen to the actor but if you've gone through a, a creative exploration process by the time you get to scenes it should be fairly clear for everybody what's more or less the right way of of going i mean there are times you know i remember once i did um i delivered a line in such a way that the director was just in stitches they thought it was so funny and but i couldn't i couldn't ever re reproduce it i wasn't quite sure what it was i'd done that made okay. her find it so funny right so they kept the, you know this these things can happen i mean i guess <laughs> so sometimes it's not possible to do what the director wants even if you've done it once yeah um, no, no, that makes it that makes it right you know yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think even just that general openness to kind of, even if it's once, try it, do it, and see how it pans out, and then everyone, you know, you can reflect on that. Both of you together can um, make decisions yeah, on whether yeah. that was the right choice or not. I suppose I tend to assume that the director knows more about the play than I do, and probably has more experience of theatre than I do. Um, right. And therefore, you know, if they think something, the chances are they're right. Okay. Yeah, yes. well, yeah. no, I, I agree with that. No, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that you're a director, but that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, it's not always true. Uh, anyway, let's move on from that. Okay, I guess now I'd like to kind of get an understanding of how you then, how are we moving towards being show ready? Mm. So if, if we've got an environment that's, we, you know, that we're working in that we really like, we're 
trying stuff out independently and in response to our fellow actors and the director's direction. And then we've hit a point where we're, you know, scripts are down. In terms of the block, okay, maybe before we get to that show readiness, in terms of that blocking, just to finish off that blocking conversation, do you, how prescriptive do you like the blocking to be? It, it does depend on the scene. Okay. Because if there are lots of, lots of uh, characters on stage, getting that blocking absolutely right is critical. If there's just, the, say, there's just two people, you know, the movements can take place in slightly different parts of the stage without necessarily being um, affecting it okay. too much. I think, I think it probably varies by scene. Right. And right. by production, I mean, it may be that precision is absolutely crucial to the play. Or it may be that... Well, of course, I was going to say that, you know, it could be that you want the impression of chaos, for example. But if that were the case, then almost certainly chaos has to be very well rehearsed for it not yeah. to look like shit chaos as opposed to <laughs> organised chaos. <laughs> yeah, shit chaos is the worst type of chaos. Definitely. It's very bad chaos, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so in in that kind of in the mix of doing that, and this is this is definitely a loaded question based on some experiences I've had, how how do you find kind of being told about what the room was in the room, what's going on, you know, what's behind that door, where you've entered, where you're going to exit? All the all the constituent parts in my mind are there for an actor just to walk in and start acting. Mm. And I know how difficult that is. I'm not an actor, but I do know how difficult that can be. Mm. But it does frustrate me when you when you set the scene up. And people walk in, and then you've got five actors just stood looking at each other, <laughs> talking their lines. And I, yeah. guess I'm, I guess I'm, I'm oh, trying yeah. to get an idea from you as to what triggers you to walk over to an imaginary table, pick a cup of tea up, and start sipping it, or you know, walk over to one of the other actors and and just sort of shake him. Or, or is there something in your head that just lets you do that because you want to try it? Or what's the? Is there any nugget that I can offer people to try and stop the? You, know, you have to know why you're walking into the scene and okay. you have to have that in your head. Right. Why am I, why am I here? You know, why, why don't I just go home? <laughs> if, I, if I went home, would it make any difference? Right. You, you, I think that's what you have to have. I try to have in my head. I'm coming on here because um, I'm enjoying this party and I've got my niece arm in arm with my niece and we're chatting about some of the things that have been going on and I'm interested to share that with her so I want to I want to chat to her about it okay so I'm, I've got something in mind that I want to do right or I'm going to come on and I am going to stand a bit still because I'm a bit sort of nervous because it's at a wedding and I'm sort of um sort of slightly rocking on my heels thinking okay is he going to turn up this time <laughs> you know so I think you just have to have in, in your mind what it, what it is that's why am I why am I on stage? Okay. So that, that feeds me nicely into my next question about objectives and motivations as an actor. Mm -hmm. How do you operate? Do you look at the whole play and see the I mean we've already, we've already discussed the arc of the character, but are you discuss are you like feeding that in through every scene or are you looking at the scene in particular that you're in and what your motivations are for that scene mm. and or a combination of the two? And then sorry to add another question in because just it's in my mind. How do you then naturally react to something that you know is going to happen, but you can't say is going to happen because it hasn't happened yet? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Um, well, the first part is, is, is the compromise or the combination rather of the, of the two. I mean, I think, and of course you'd have gone through this in rehearsal. It's not like something you make up on the spot, but you, 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 you know where your character is heading, what they're fighting for. And, and when you come to a particular scene, you, you will have an idea of where they've got to in that journey, the development of character. Are they winning? Are they losing? Are they facing a dilemma? Are they coming up with a fresh way of dealing with it? Have they hit a crisis point? Is it starting to go well? Are they feeling optimistic? You know, so whatever's happening, but it, it, you know, it, you, you have to know where you're heading because otherwise the storyline goes to pieces. But equally, to make the to make the, the the scene interesting, there's got to be all the dynamics and little desires and setbacks and gains that that um, make it interesting. You need to bring those out and find them in the text. You know. yeah. And it. In terms of the physical presentation of your responses and stuff, are you, how are you preparing or not preparing for delivering those responses? Are mm. you, how are you kind of compartmentalizing all the different elements that feed into that scene, given that also, you know, in three scenes time, you're about to get stabbed by one of those soldiers that turns up. Mm. And it might, it, it's a very difficult. I, I've never, I've actually never thought about that as it happens. Which is probably a good thing. I mean, the obvious answer is being in the moment. Yeah. You know, what's happening right now. That, that's why the, um, you know, your motivations and drives and battles within a particular scene are so important. You know, I think that's the, the fun of, of, of the emotion. Of, yeah. It's lovely. No, I think that's a fair answer. It's a fair answer. Um, okay, so now we're, we're, into the, we're into show prep, right? So we're, we're, we've refined all those things. We've kind of we're happy with the development of the play as a whole and your characters coming along nicely. What gets you to a point where you feel confident that you can bring this to stage, whether it's you or whether it's to production, what's kind of like, mm. what's some key pointers to you that you're happy and ready? I, again, sorry, just, I just asked that because I know yeah. it's nice to hear from an actor say to a director, look, if this is in place, I'm on side, you've got me. We're ready to go because I don't particularly know what you as Angus are looking for, for your marker to say, we can go on stage with this now. Mm. If, there are, if there are some common ones that people bring up, I guess an amateur director can go, right. Once I start seeing these things from my actors and once I start feeling these things in response from my actors, I know we're getting close to being ready. Yeah, I think. Um, so you've rehearsed and rehearsed and people know their lines they know their, they know the blocking. They can handle their props. They know when they, they know their entrances, entrances and exits. They know all of that. The thing then is, can they do it with panache and energy, even when it's a quiet scene? But is it does it smack beautifully from one to another? Um, is there are there no gaps between lines? And I think this is a common problem with amateur dramatics, is that somebody speaks, there's a pause. Somebody else speaks, there's a pause. Somebody moves, then they speak, or they speak, then they move. It's the sort of, it's the fluency and the, and, and the kind of, the, you know, like a, like a rowing team, really cutting through the water brilliantly, you know, smoothly, fluently, but no pauses. Yeah. Um, and that's, I've, I've seen some productions where you kind of go, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> the pace and the energy. And because, I mean, obviously, 
some pl some playwrights don't want their lines overlapping. I don't think Shakespeare does. Um, but although in real life, we all know that we overlap each other all the time and finish each other's sentences. Um, but at the very least, you know, you need to be crisp on your cues. And that's a and the movement, everything needs to be decisive and energized. So, you know, the, f focusing, um, this may be kind of jumping ahead, but I suppose, but you know, as the first, the first scene in a play is absolutely crucial because that absolutely sets the tone and you need to go out with a you know, kind of full on, even if you're slightly overdoing it, it's better than underdoing it because it's very hard to pick up the pace. Yeah. If you sort of already kind of going a bit turgid, you need, you need to fly at it. So the warm up and the and the energy is, is crucial. So that, that's probably the main thing as a group because then you know it's all flowing, and obviously you've got to have trust. Is somebody going to, um, you know, help you if you should you forget your cue? <laughs> Not that it would ever happen to me. <laughs> um, um, that's always kind of helpful. Um, something I have been thinking about, which I haven't really done though much, is to really learn the other person's lines. Okay, yeah. I absorb them through sort of osmosis and just being in the rehearsal, but actually learning the whole piece word for word so you can help if need be. I mean, that's something that probably is a little, little aside, you know. Yeah. It'd be quite it useful. Can, it can be a big ask for some people who can't learn their own lines, let alone everyone else's lines. <laughs> uh, actually, on the, on the learning of lines, I'm like Anthony Hopkins, who says he rehearses each line 200, 300, 400 times. He just goes over them again and again and again and again. And I do that. I think it's probably because it's a bit like, you know, the time fill, the work fills the time available for it. You know, so if I've got time, I think, what should I do? Should I read a book? Should I go and do some gardening? Should I go shop? No, I'll go over my lines again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so okay. I do do that quite a lot, but I find that that kind of help gets me in, into the zone. Right. Going through the, you know, just seeing it again and, and thinking it through. That's be sort of personally... I think that's, that, that's a, yeah. Yeah. a point that everyone needs to take on board. I know it was slight aside, but it again, actually, Craig mentioned it. He said the one thing or one of the things that really grates on him is when all those things you've just mentioned are flowing well and you're beginning to get, and then you have someone who hasn't learned their lines. And all you end up doing is getting this sudden stop where someone's like, you're all off, you're all off book, but that one person is not. Isn't, isn't yeah, they're there but not there yeah and you stop and it's like oh no sorry guys line and like that it it can disrupt the the whole process especially when you're in the mix of it like coming up to shows and stuff oh god yeah mm. you really want to be pressing through and doing you know bigger chunks and whatever and getting momentum going so you feel like you're you know it's all going i think that's a, that's a fair point for anyone who's listening like just learn your bloody lines just learn them yeah and it's tough with, with amateur acting because it is all voluntary. So, I mean, you, you know, you, there is a sort of, a, well, yeah, sure, yes, you had to go and drop your kids from, off from school or you had to, you know, get attendant. I mean, but it's kind of, you know, be there, be on time. That's the thing I'm thinking about. But also, yeah, definitely learning. I was in one production that, and we were, at, I think, at technical rehearsal and the guy didn't know his lines. It was, yeah. And he finally got it. But it was like the first time was on was on stage was with, with an audience and it was so it was it was intimidating and he thought it was funny yeah that's a problem yeah, and i did not think it was funny and i told him so <laughs> no well it was dreadful no because i quite you because know, although we're all, all volunteers you know the point about doing it is to do it really well yeah um okay so with the shows it I don't want to ask six questions at once, like I seem to always do. So I, I will try and ask one overriding questions. What, how do you, what is different from the shows 
to rehearsals for you. So as you enter the show run, mm. what are you doing? Um, oh, it's it's a it's an amazing feeling once it's going right. The first the first night obviously is a bit. You, there isn't there are nerves definitely, and you have to overcome those. Otherwise, you find, for example, yourself literally just not walking right. You know, you don't you don't move right. Um, you're, the timing's all off. And that can happen just through sheer nerves. It's that you know, so that that's something to sort of be overcome. But once you're once it's going, and you're completely confident of it, it's a it's a lovely, it's just a floaty, lovely feeling. You're just in this world, you know, and it's it's absolutely vivid and true, you know. Um, it's like, um, and it's and it's then that you can um, play a little bit. You know, so you can you can vary the delivery and timing and 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 uh, and actually you know try and be in the moment because you can sort you, you're confident about everything else. You know the the lines are just there, like floating above you, and you can just grab them whenever you want, you know, and say them however you want. And the props are there, and you know how to handle it, and it feels very comfortable. You've got this thing; you're not sort of wondering why. Why am I holding a you know banana? <laughs> it's it's quite clear. You've got the hang, you know it's all there now. So I think that's what happened. It, it becomes a, like an organism in itself. And yeah, and the world is real. And those those people with you on stage, you just love them or hate them. It just, it's an amazing feeling. Amazing feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, it's um, all, all that work and stuff obviously feeds mentally into your psyche and you can't, you, it takes a while to just uh. to dissipate. But if the show then also takes on a life of its own and goes really well, that's another thing for me for, as a director. Like, it's a whole, it, it means I, it's a, the greater release for me because I'm not every night going, oh shit, this scene's coming up. I don't like this scene. What, what how is it going to mess up? Or how I'm directed that badly. That doesn't look great. If the show actually, you feel comfortable with it as it hits the stage and then the actors take it and live it themselves and develop something else. Then you also like, it's another release for, you know, cause I'm not physically on stage getting the applause, but you know, it's, mm. it's a different kind of thing for a director. I can imagine, yeah. Yes. Yeah, once once they're on stage, you can't control it. That's why you find me backstage, just sort of milling around, trying not to. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So, and then I guess just to wrap up the, that final thing on the show is in terms of like you, you did just touch on how you it, it takes on a life of its own stuff. How are you? How do you allow that to happen? So, in rehearsals, you can fail, right? You can do something even up to the the first night. You can be messing around with stuff and going, oh, we can do this. We can do, oh, no, oh, that looked crap. Well, that didn't work. And I know you, you and I had a number of discussions about certain scenes that we were trying to make work that we didn't feel oh, yeah. work. Not sure how do you actually with that one. Uh, no, well, maybe not. I don't think we ever quite cracked it. No, you maybe not. Right. <laughs> but how do you, whether it's live on stage or whether it's discussions through the run, how do you approach that? Are you just feeling from the audience or your actors or all of those things? How, how you change it or how, how, well, you, how you do how you, on? Yeah, because obviously it, it because it takes on this life of its own, mm. you naturally begin to see different things present themselves that you wouldn't like. You get laughs in places you didn't get laughs before, or you get yeah. a, a response from your fellow actor, which you know I, I think you know if you look at James's response to Jordan, he suddenly was grabbing him and lifting him off the floor. Yeah, and that, he never did that in rehearsals. Like we never yeah. saw that level. No, of no. So it's just uh, how I guess I'm trying to get how. It's just a natural thing that you just feel it 
Yeah, well, I think once you're confident, this is the kind of thing I was saying about like your lines, being able to, you can pluck them from the air because you know you've got them, you know everything. So what you're then trying to do is to um, resp really respond in real time with your your fellow actors. Yeah. Now, what are they? What signals are they giving off to you? And really respond to that, like like a human being in a real situation, as much as you possibly can. And if they if they are expressive, um, if they're the kind of actor who as I heard one lovely phrase is acting behind the eyes, which I think is very nice. And so nice. You, meaning they really are feeling this, then you yeah. will be able to really feel and respond to that. So the modulation, the delivery of your line will follow that. Your movements will follow that cue. Okay. Obviously, yeah. it's going to be more similar than not. It's not it doesn't look like everything is totally different to every performance, but there, there are these moments when yeah. you vary it. Yeah, too, you know. No, no, I, I yeah, mm. I agree with that. Especially with the comedy and the laughter thing. As you rightly say, you get laughter. It's never in the same place, or hardly ever in the same place. And so, so weird. I've never. Yeah, so that. what you can't do is, well, there's going to be a laugh here. You just got to go with it. <laughs> just yeah. Forget about what happened the night before and see what yeah. happens. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I always find that really weird, especially mm. when you get a big belly laugh on one night and the next night yeah. you're like. What the where'd that go? <laughs> what happened there? Just the same. Oh, crazy. Um okay, brilliant. Right. So I guess I I should ask within the framework of what we've just discussed, is there anything that you that that we haven't touched on that you think maybe a, uh, an amateur actor director it would be useful for them to take on board or know? Like we've covered a lot of ground, but is there anything that kind of Yeah, there is something which is that um um extreme emotion is is hard to replicate night after night. Yeah. So tears and helpless laughter, anger. I think anyway. I think we can humans can do anger. You know, love, desire. These these things can come out. Yeah. Other ones are very difficult. It's I'll probably because they're physiological. They have a very specific physiological manifestation. Yeah. Well, again, what what came out of that discussion with Martha actually was that what she's also doing is she's. I mean, she spent time sat in front of her mirror when she got really upset crying mm. looking at what was going on with her body and her face right. so that's how deep she went with it is that she she basically then replicated the physical manifestations of what she was doing while she cried yeah and then what in doing that her body was like what are we crying what's going on because all yeah. the physical stuff that she does whether it's just wiping her face or whether she does this the whole time or whatever yeah. her body begins to go hold on a second are we we're meant to be crying now. Why are there no tears? Oh god! And then she feeds in the clay bit and the other bit. Okay. And all those layers trick her body into thinking that she's crying, and she can cry. And so she just—it's a—it seems like she's that's, that's trained crazy. herself. Yeah, it's good. Good um, pathway to tears. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that—that that could be the name of this podcast, Pathway to Tears. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>